This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Sir David of House Fraser, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. podcast i am sir matt the bud knight and i am sir ezra the watchful welcome to our song of ice and fire book club today we are into daenerys 2 of a clash of kings and in our maester study we will be discussing the city of karth with lady raj yeah as you know uh we, we uh actually this is the second time we're recording this intro because i was having <laughs> uh some issues some technical difficulties over here but um you and I were talking uh, several minutes ago about um, it's been you know it's like it's like it's like ten chapters in between these Danny chapters here in the in yep. the book, uh, and that's kind of weird. And we were uh, you know just saying, guys, if there's one character who I think is by far the easiest character to simply read through, uh, like their POV, it is by far Daenerys because she is so removed. And um, her story's pretty much its own thing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it will change whenever Winds of Winter comes out. Uh, and as you get towards the Dance of Dragons, she does start to interact with some other uh, characters over there. But really, I mean, you could pretty much just read her story. And uh, yeah. I think it's it's pretty centralized and focused. Because one of the things, um, and I think this was something that you and I both talked about when we were covering the first book, Game of Thrones, was man these Danny chapters? It's like you know you have there's seven. I think there's like seventy three chapters in that first book. Well, ten of those are Danny chapters, but you get them so infrequently that it's like you're you get all you get this one storyline going, 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 and then you jump all the way over to Essos, which is like so far removed, right? It feels weird, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I get I get that. That's why a lot of people don't necessarily like uh, the Danny chapters. Um, just because it's it feels so so different until really we start getting some of these characters over in Essos. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something George, you know, probably tried to do intentionally. I think he wanted us to feel like when we went over uh, with Daenerys in Essos and Carth and Marine and everywhere else that it was almost foreign to us. Like we get really accustomed to Westeros. We understand it we're good, we got it, like we really start to behave like we are Westerosi, you know? And one of our exiled, well two of actually, uh, Westerosi if you will, who are exiled, you've got uh, Danny and Jorah, you know? And so then we follow them, we're sort of like, wow, this is, it just seems so different. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about it in the chapter, but just the names, uh, pronunciations, cities, customs, all of that is the, the way of life is drastically different. And so uh, I think it's kind of cool. It is it is exactly what he's trying to do is to show us that, like, this is maybe what it feels like to go uh, get outside of your comfort zone. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and, and her story. I mean, it's not like her story is a good I think it's, it's a great read. Um, just once once you really 
you know, start start diving into it. And I think, you know, her story works really well uh, just when you read it kind of kind of by itself. And especially as, you know, when Arya goes over to Essos and Tyrion and some of these other characters and you and then you kind of start hearing about the exploits of of Daenerys Targaryen, you know, Khaleesi and all of all of this stuff. Um, then that and it's like, oh, OK, cool. It starts to just make more sense. But there at the beginning, I definitely get why some people may be kind of turned off by her her story even though I, her story in in its own right is like i mean it's pretty hardcore it's pretty awesome <laughs> like she's got a lot yeah. of stuff going on um in which we're, we're going to get to today because we're now entering into her main arc um in a clash of kings which is her time at the city of karth which is yeah. where things really uh heat up uh yeah they know, do to, 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 <laughs> to, to, to say to say the least <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we'll get there. Um, before we do that, though, uh, let's just go over updates and things. How you doing? What's going on? Uh, I know we've got technical difficulties. No, they can't keep us down. No one That's can true. keep us down. That's true. You know, it's so funny because it's like, you know, as and I literally have so much, you know, equipment and all this stuff and all this stuff we have to, like, produce produce the show both here on the podcast and on YouTube and I mean, it's like the amount of we're all we are constantly tinkering and and doing this <laughs> and doing that to try to make it, you know, that much better. And literally, it's like I've spent the past three days trying to figure out what's wrong with the main program that I use just to record audio. I'm like, what is going on in this thing? And it was like one little setting that got switched back when I um you know, I was trying. I was in there trying to make everything better uh, to be like, okay, can I can I improve the quality a little bit? Can I do this? Can I do that? And um, and I clicked this this button, which is basically like anytime it doesn't hear audio, it shuts down. And so, you know, as will talk, and then I'll talk. And so, if there's a period of time where as is where as is talking, you know, for like a couple minutes, um, then my program would shut down, and I'm like, "What is going on? Like this thing has worked for literally like <laughs> three years, and now sudden, and it's like, well, I so I uninstall it, reinstall it, and it installs that way. And so it's like, you know, it's a whole big mess. And as you're over there with like you, you bought some, you know, you got a new Jeez. stand for your for your camera. Now it's what like, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> What a joke. And that's that's sort of, again, um, you know, this is not a joke productions. I don't know if you guys knew that the overall company, um, because things like this happen and we overcome it. And uh, although that's a piece of I, I will literally go leave a review on Amazon about that piece of equipment. <laughs> I will. Uh, mm, I mean, they can't even hold up the actual webcam that it says it's supposed to be able to hold up. Like, it's just such a joke. Sorry, that's a little behind the scenes. But I mean, it's just. It's crazy. It's funny how, yeah, you're right. You know, you get all this, this stuff and, and it's, um, it's a lot there. There is a lot to learn and this has been a lot of fun. We've been working on YouTube and podcasting for gosh, years now, years. Yeah. And there's always something to learn and, and new equipment to, you know, figure out. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, other than that, man, everything going good. Uh, you know, there's no yeah. real, there's no real new ner news on, uh, Game of Thrones watch as we, we still anxiously wait, um, yeah, yeah, you know the wind, winds of winter. I think, man, everyone that's talking about it though is saying, okay, just we gotta wait. July 29th, man, that's the that's the wait. Well, so what I didn't realize that you know, remember months back we had that conversation about um, the purchasing of the winds of winter dot com, yes. or whatever, and that it tr it changed ownership or whatever. And some people sit on these websites and they sell it for ten grand or whatever, and it's it's crazy. Um, 
I, I hadn't realized that he actually met with his publishers back then, back in November, right before that happened. And so I was reading an article. It was The Nerdist, I believe, or maybe Den of Geek. I can't remember. Um, they were talking about how there was a meeting. And then literally a day or two afterwards, the purchase took place. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> because I, what I remember, and maybe you, you knew this already, and uh, we, did, we discussed it, um, but I, I totally forgot about that. I was like, well, that really kind of makes it seem like we're getting close. You know, we're actually getting there. So, it, you know, it's exciting. I'm down to wait. I'm going to wait patiently. You know, just about a month and a half, I believe, uh, is, is the wait time to see if this is going to be an actual announcement for winds of winter yeah so. we will yeah we will yeah we will see um if he, if not then we're supposed to lock him you know in a room it's what he said to lock him in a so cell said. So, yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so we will see um let me see here let me let me talk think about what's going on over on our youtube page because we uh just man hammer out a lot of stuff so um over there guys uh well one i just did uh we just posted a new mead meat and cheese so you can check that out but then two uh we've been going back through i've been kind of cleaning up our youtube page and going back through and you know you guys had over the over the years sent us some absolutely amazing ravens and some of those um, get kind of buried uh, or lost, I should say, uh, in the follow-up Friday episodes. So I'm going back through and I am pulling those out and just kind of turning them into smaller discussions because sometimes as I have like a really good, you know, maybe be a 20-minute discussion and it might not even be in the episode title. So I'm going back through and I am kind of highlighting those, uh, turning them into smaller videos, uh, especially the ones that talk are book heavy because uh, a lot of times you know we recorded all of those before season eight essentially and so i'm just one i mean it's 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 a way to kind of like highlight those because they're great conversations too you know it'll it will help drive some traffic to the channel so that's always mm -hmm. that's definitely always great but it is cool because i mean some of you guys you know over the years i mean you guys have sent us great questions and you guys like have like very well crafted thoughts theories um, a lot of that stuff. So, you know, we, it's like, you know, like, Hey, I want to promote that kind of stuff. So that's why, uh, as and I are still asking for you guys, we, we, we've received definitely, um, a bunch of Ravens. We want a little bit more. We're going to do kind of another, just one time kind of follow up Friday. Yeah. And, and, uh, those, I'll just tell people, I guess, so they understand why we were kind of waiting to have some really solid Ravens, um, or just a few more because one, we want to do a massive episode for you guys. Uh, two, I think, and I don't know if people think this is cool or not, but I love to feature something that's really solid, like a really good Raven, feature that on the YouTube as a standalone thing. So we kind of fade in, we fade out. And I, I just want to encourage those people, like that could be your Raven uh, that we're reading on the podcast and then again, featuring on the YouTube channel. So that's sort of our, our plan with that, uh, depending on how the conversation goes, depending on which rabbit holes we dive down. It can simply be a question. Y your question, whether it's on Twitter or wherever else, that's something else. I want to kind of post a something on Facebook to where you guys can just maybe drop some questions in there about the series that you want us to discuss or theories you want us to dive down. So just because I'll tell you right now, I go, I go back and I listen to the, some of those episodes and I'm like, man, I've never been more challenged, especially like newly getting into A Song of Ice and Fire. Not newly. I mean, I'd read it and stuff, but I, I remember going like, holy smokes, these guys are taking me from the start of the series to the end and then into into Winds of Winter chapters that I hadn't even read at the time. I was like, not going to read those. Uh, now I've kind of given in and, and I've, I've read them. 
Um, but yeah, so that was that was uh, quite a a task, and I'm up for it again. I kind of want that uh, again because I remember being way more up on my research and was bouncing around. I mean, this morning I got up early and I said, okay, let's just march through Danny in a Clash of Kings. I got through the next this chapter and the next three, I think. Um, and so after this is over, I'm going to kind of continue on with that, that reread because you just got to keep it fresh. It is a big series and there's just a lot to cover. And I am telling you, I forgot how loaded these Danny chapters are. They're extremely loaded. By the way, go back through with this lens of season eight. I know that may not be something people want to do, but I have been doing it and I am shocked at what I'm finding. Shocked. So... Yeah, that's, man. I mean, well, I'll leave that there. I mean, that's one of the things, right? I mean, we, you know, after now that after we saw season eight, and we, uh, you think I started thinking about that Cal Drogo yeah, death scene, right, where Danny's, uh, you know, putting him on the on the funeral pyre, and then it gets lit on fire, and it keeps saying the words bells, right? And it's talking about the bells in his hair and the bells and how she's listening to them and all this stuff. It's like, well, hold on a second now. I mean, you know, that makes a lot more sense, right? I mean, we got to think <laughs> yeah. about that, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I got a few of those I'll point out here later on when we get to the reread, um, things that I think are kind of reoccurring in Danny chapters that totally are um, a subtle foreshadowing. And actually, just to make sure people stick around, right before that reread, I'm going to talk about Hodor, and I'm going to tie that into Danny. So we will get there in a second. But before we do that, um, we are going to jump over to the uh, Maester study. Lady Raj is going to talk us through the city of Karth which will help us kind of um, set the set the scene, set, you know, get get more familiar with that with this setting, uh, so we can dive into this Daenerys chapter. So over to the Maester's study. All right, Lady Raj, here we are in the Maester's study, and uh, I told folks we are going to be covering Karth. So um, let's let's get into it here. Let's you know see what you got. Yeah. All right. So, uh, looking into Karth, uh, we were discussing earlier that as far as like the text goes, there's not too, too much about it, but I did find the, uh, wiki of ice and fire. Or I, I think that's what it is. The wiki. I found it super helpful. Um, Karth is located on, uh, the Jade gates, which is sort of this, uh, place between the summer and the Jade sea. Um, Pyat Pri describes it as the gate between North and South the bridge between east and west, ancient beyond memory of man. Uh, so <laughs> magnificent that Thesaurus uh, the Wise put out his eyes after seeing it because nothing would be so great. That's what you do, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, right, you know, as one does. Um, I'm not sure that's necessarily as a, like great. Uh, it's a very exuberant expression of um, how great the city is. Yeah. Yeah, but it's sort of like uh, later he goes on to talk about. Here's um, Zaro talks about a, a wine so good that it the every other wine you have after that will taste like soil to you. Right. I don't really want to drink that wine. Um, yeah. <laughs> because then you know what I mean. So I think it's a weird thing to say. Um, right. Uh, Karth is the center of the world. I agree. Um, it's uh, the wiki had. Uh, Stated that it's the gateway between Westeros, Free Cities, Slavers Bay, Ashai, um, the Shadowlands, UT. Uh, so it very much so is like geographically uh, the center of a lot of different places. So to get from, uh, you know, between point A and B is a really long route. Um, somewhere in Essos, you might end up crossing through Karth, is, is sort of what I picked up. Um, <clears throat> the Karthine 
That's how you, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what we call their people. Uh, one thing I found interesting um, was the highlight of the Sorrowful Men. So the Carthine uh, Assassin's Guild, uh, known to uh, tell to their victims, I'm so sorry, uh, right before they, they go in and do their job. Um, I found this very interesting when you put it next to the Faceless Men who go out of their way to be uh, to achieve anonymity. Um, you know, the, as far as their victims go, they're just like going along their day-to-day -day and then they just die. Whereas the Sorrowful Men, they go do whatever efforts they have to to get to you, but they have to make sure that you know, like, hey, someone paid for this. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, right. yeah it's <clears throat> different. They're different, aren't they? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> We're going to let you know. Right? It's, it's, it's almost a, like a way yeah, to identify. Yeah. It, yeah. I think it's a, it, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to want to highlight because um, it's sort of like if you're paying for an assassin, then like the job's going to get done. Um, and it's very kind of like a narcissistic thing. I feel to want your victim to know like, Hey, somebody did this, but like on purpose, they paid for it. Anyway. Mm -hmm. um, another thing just going, if I can, uh, back up a little bit to the Carthine walls. I thought those were very interesting uh, to go into a little bit. They're just so intricate. The entire chapter is so colorful. Um, but so there are three walls that surround Carth. Um, <clears throat> the outermost is 30 feet. The middle is 40 and the 50 is, uh, and the third, so the middlemost is 50 feet of black marble. Um, sort of like a Byzantine style triple wall. Um, and as you go in, so the outermost uh, wall depicts, uh, depicts a bunch of animals, so like all sorts of different animals, so like zebras and elephants and camels and horses and so on and so forth. Uh, the middle wall, uh, so the, uh, is just a bunch of scenes of war. So I always pictured it as something like really gory and intense. Um, and then the innermost, the one that makes Danny blush, mm -hmm. uh, the wall with scenes of um, love and giving, giving of pleasure and all these things. So. I just found that a really intricate thing that George goes into describing, and I wanted to touch on them here because I think it's cool. Um, another thing, because through listening to a bunch of other uh, podcasts, I'm starting to understand the importance of different metals throughout the series, um, and I'm not sure what it means, but uh, from outermost to innermost, uh, the latches and things on the gates um, go from copper on the outermost, iron in the middle, and then gold on the innermost. So, Yeah. That is interesting. We, we were talking, um, so we kind of did this maester study afterwards, just so people know, because we were kind of talking in the chapter about the symbolism there. What does that actually mean? And, you know, um, what is iron used for? And uh, where do we see copper and, and why gold? Yeah. Yeah. And I, let me, real quick, let me just add that uh, I'll say this again, actually, in the in the episode, but um, I are in the in the chapter. I, I th it's crazy because I just pulled up uh, World of Ice and Fire and thinking, oh, hey, there's going to be let me just pull up the chapter on on Karth just to see what it is. And there isn't one like there's one on all the other uh, kind of cities in in that book. I mean, you've got one on uh, I mean, gosh, you go on the free cities, uh, Cohor, Pentos, Volantos, Bravos, the Summer Isles, North. Uh, the Basilisk Isles. And then uh, for Karth, it says, despite a long history, little can be said with any certainty of the Kothi, uh, uh, right? A people now gone from the world, save for a remnant in Karth. Um, you know, and then it's just 
pretty much about it really uh it's just that there's it's kind of it's kind of like it's like a it's, 20 it's second part yeah it's like yeah. a 20 second part of the um audible version of of world of ice and fire it was very disheartening in trying to research for this um but i i think one thing that uh we can say about karth um as far as as you know, we as readers is that it's a very beautiful, very detail oriented um, uh, environment. And uh, it's a very, it's very over the top in every way, shape and form down to the fact that if you are expressing some sort of misgiving or guilt for not being able to do something for somebody, you, um, it is a, how, how, does, how does Zara say it? It's the mark of a civilized man to cry. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything is so over the top. The the way their their walls are built, um, the intricate detail that goes into their walls, and and this, that, and the other. There's just it's all so much, and in the middle of the desert. Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. Uh, on on that note, I actually want to bring up something interesting. I'm not sure if were you going to talk about like any other um, styles clothing. Can I jump in here? Is yes. that okay? Yeah, it was uh, that was my next point. But please go okay. for it. Well, I guess as you do that, um, what you'll What's interesting um, about that, I'll let you kind of tell us what they wear and their styles and stuff. It's very revealing. Um, and the, like, the people themselves are like exposed. There's transparency, but yet it's a city of secrets. You know, it's it's sort of shrouded That's a really in, interesting point. In, in, in mystery. Yes, which I think is crazy. It's also out in like essentially the middle of nowhere. Mysterious city, not much in a world of ice and fire, but yet the people... Uh, have this presence that seem seemingly um, everything you should be able to trust these people. Danny in the chapter wants to trust Zaro and Pyatt. Well, sure, they've sworn themselves to me, like they're they're down. But yet, Quaith says to beware. So yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's actually a really interesting point. I never uh, considered for that. But um, so as far as their garb go um, uh, goes, rather, had, do you guys know what uh, like an Indian sari looks like? Mm -mm. I'm kind of no. okay so um anyone can look it up but like the idea of it is um so the undergarments it's like a short sleeve top that's like a crop top and then a skirt that comes up um and the main part of the sari is like i think it's six meters of um fabric with jewels and things all over it and so the dress itself like the art of the dress it kind of reminds me a little bit like a of the tokar later in the dance but uh it's to wrap it around your body over and over again and then, so you do it a couple of times, you have your skirt, <clears throat> and then the uh, fabric comes up in front of you and like over your shoulder. And there are different ways to wear it, like the, the, the tail end of it. But when I uh, pictured uh, the carping style uh, dresses, I always imagined kind of like a sari, but like without the t-shirt the crop top on, underneath. So a completely non-revealing skirt and then just a sweep of fabric mm, yeah. over one breast mm. and not the other. So yeah. just, that's, an idea of what I thought of. Um, I, I also enjoy um, the like little note of men wearing beaded silk skirts. Um, it's like even even their day to day garb goes to show that they there isn't a lot of work being done by those who are able to wear these fabric or wear these pieces of clothing. Um, which to me kind of makes me wonder like who what I'm, I I know there are slaves in Karth, but what do they do? I, I, I guess they're, they're a port city and things. So there's a bunch of stuff coming in that way. It's just, there's so much 
over the top wealth and, and all this stuff about Carthage, where does it come from? Like how I, I get it, it's an ancient city that's been here forever, but like, how is it maintained to this point? Mm-hmm. You know, or how close is it to d- dissolving? Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. It, it's a wonder. I think they, you're mentioning the walls too. It's somewhere, I think it's in a, the lands of ice and fire, which is the maps. It talks about those walls being what, like one of the eight or nine, whatever they were, uh, wonders of the world. And, nine wonders made by man. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, those are, um, you know, that's kind of interesting, right? That they're, that they're that awesome that maybe it's just a diff it's difficult it's a difficult city to take once the wealth is there um the pureborn who rule and run the city have somehow been able to keep it I, there's a lot of magic and mystique in in karth so maybe there's something mm-hmm. something there that's a good question yeah like how 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 have they been able to maintain this it's definitely something danny thinks about uh with her dothraki like all they want to do is you know raid this the city possibly they would want to yeah uh pillage so See, what makes me think that maybe the Carthine are, like, closer to kind of falling apart than they might like to admit or show worldwide is, is the fact that they are so hell-bent on trying to get Danny. Um, so in the uh, the Undying chapter, or, you know, this entire time, Pyapri is trying to convince um, Danny to come out to the House of the Undying. And, you know, later on, we learned that they're trying to keep her to, as, as sort of like a battery, like a life source um, for whatever they're doing like there's so much mystery about cars that we don't wholly understand um but we do know there's something big working there and like it they somehow needed danny and her energy force and her her kind of like tap of magic Mm -hmm. to continue moving forward and so much so that when she destroyed the house of the undying we see Pri later on in um uh the forsaken chapter on a boat like he he had gone so far that he ended up in the clutches of Euron to try and and get Danny back or get her physically back to Karth or do something about the fact that she burnt like the last of the battery undying. pack yeah, of the undying, yeah, yeah you know for Karth. Yeah. I don't know I, I I just don't understand what keeps it like why is it still there yeah. um it's it's just so interesting that it's a, like an island of um, slender in the yeah. middle of the Karth. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, and, and as you say, um, you know, Piat Pri sends, sends a sorrowful man after her. Like it is like they're desperate that like, he does seem very desperate. Um, we talk about this later on in the chapter, actually, that yeah, this is, this is, you know, just in the way we recorded, this is a little different, but uh, I think at one point, Sir Matt says like, what are their objectives? What are their goals? Mm-hmm. And it's weird because in the show it's presented more as like the thirteen rule, and that's pretty much it. But there's way more uh, to it than that. The dynamics are um, really interesting between the different merchant factions, yeah. the warlocks, and the pure the pureborn. So, yeah. So cool. yeah, I think I mean yeah. For me, I I, I just uh, I think it's just really interesting, right? That it's you know if you look, at, I have a, I have a map pulled up here um, of just really I think. You know, and we talked about this a little bit uh, in in the chapter, but really, you kind of, kind of, you got to kind of look at a map of Essos because mm-hmm. um, you start to think about just how how much bigger, right, that Essos is actually compared to Westeros. I mean, yeah. Essos is enormous. Um, can 
com- compared to to Westeros, right? Because it's like, oh, you think about oh, the like Pentos and Bravos and all that stuff. That is like so far away from where Danny is. I mean, it's like it's like the wall to Dorne. I don't even know is as far from where like Karth is to Bravos. I think it's further. Like it's it's a mm-hmm. further distance um away if you if you look at uh if you look at it on a map Uh, i mean so she's out there kind of like really i mean in the middle of of nowhere to be um you know entirely entirely honest i mean even valyria is like way far away from from karth it's like a lot further a lot further west um and you know it's just that all these cities that um you know, we hear about, right, like E.T. Or, or, you know, lands like E.T. and then Ashai and stuff like that. That's really actually a closer neighbor to Karth than you would consider these other cities in, in Essos like Pentos and Myrrh and, and Tyrosh mm-hmm. and Volantis and and um, all of that stuff. So, like, that's probably who they're, you know, why there is more magic there, why there is mm-hmm. more... Um, uh, warlocks and all this stuff because it's it's actually it's a lot closer there so that's probably really when we as you know you just mentioned like in the show it just kind of talks about them ruling but there's these underlying kind of um objectives and stuff like that so that's probably why it is a bigger a bigger objective for these people right to kind of get like danny's dragons Mm -hmm. maintain some sort of like foothold in the realm of major areas that conduct a lot of magic Right. Yeah, cuz they talk about a shy, right? Like one of the things we yep. we hear about with with a shy is there's there's supposed to be dragons there, right? In mm-hmm. in a shy, well a shy's a heck of a lot closer to Karth than Westeros. <laughs> I mean, the Westeros is way on the other side of the map. Yeah. So. I need to get like a full like Planetos map. Yeah. I had a really long time ago I had just a Westeros map and it was the prettiest thing in the entire world. I absolutely adored it, but I I need like a world map. Yeah, I right. use the one. There's actually there's there's plenty online that are really good resources. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I had one framed though, and it was such a pretty thing. So like, I need it for yeah. like this yeah. great big blank wall <laughs> behind me. Right here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So well, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, thank you, Lady Raj. We'll um, continue our discussion. Yeah, with you here uh, after this episode. So um, yeah, thanks. It's awesome. So with that, uh, Sir Matt, back into the reread. All right, yeah, thanks, Lady Raj, for that Maester's study. All right, let's dive into the reread. As last time, we were with Arya uh, in Arya 6, where eight days had passed before they were leaving a village, right? Uh, Each day, one of them was tortured by the Tickler for information about valuables and the location of Lord Beric Dundarian. Finally, they are marched to Harrenhal. Uh, okay, so the last time we were with Danny, Danny decided to follow the Red Comet deep into the Red Waste and protect her newborn dragons. Many of her Kalasar die before they find shelter in a ruined city. There, Sir Jor Mormont tells him about his second wife, uh, Lyness Hightower. While her people rest, Daenerys sends her three blood riders to scout, and Joko returns with th- uh, three strangers from the great city of Karth. This time, Danny too, there is a great celebration in Karth for the arrival of Daenerys' Kalasar. Zaro Zohan Doxus provides her an entire wing of his palace. After a bath, Sir Jorah Morma arrives with a ship captain with news that King Robert Baratheon is dead. 
and there is a civil war in the seven kingdoms. <clears throat> Excuse me. As, you know, immediately, I mean, just the summary of this chapter, right? You can yeah. see just how, you know, you think about that, how much time passes. Because um, the Danny chapter, one of the things that's difficult about the Danny chapters is to say, when do these take place, right? Because um, on what, you know, how long does information, how long does it take information to travel? Because for us, the reader, I mean, my God, Robert Brathian's been dead for like 30, 40 chapters, right? Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, and they're, yeah. and, and they're, ju and she's just hearing about it now. Um, and so it's like, well, hold on a second. I mean, you know, like, uh, when is, you know, when is this taking place? And so the comet is at least some sort of an indicator of time. So I, yeah. It gets even more difficult once you get to A Feast for Crows and A Dance of Dragons because those books are really one book and they're kind of going at the same pace. Um, fortunately, there is a ver uh, people have broken this down. We've mentioned this from time to time. Um, if you look up boy uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, Boiled Leather, that's what they call it, um, is the is the, is the version where you could read it straight through as one kind of story and it makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. But so it is. It's just interesting to see, right? It's like hold on, we're just now hearing about Danny's just now hearing about Robert Baratheon. Right. It's like, yeah. man, he's been. Yeah. And so that's kind of that's kind of the thing we talk about with her chapters is doing it straight through like this. It's like, well, geez, man, I mean, he's been dead for 30, 30, 40 chapters. And we're only into Danny, too. And so the timing can be I know that I know for some people it can be a little confusing. Uh, yeah. And, and that's I think, too, we have to remember. And I, I've looked at that. Um, that sequence, the, like the sequence of events that people have tried to lay out as like, we think this is where um, things line up on the timeline. But it is, it's tough because you do, it does take time for that information to travel. I mean, you know, uh, you look at where the cinnamon wind is and, and you compare that to uh, like previous chapters and stuff <laughs> and right. you, you start to figure out like how long did it take for that information to get over this far east? Um, and yeah, it, it really helps you understand how vast the world is, that things don't travel maybe as quickly as we thought they did uh or or do they you know i mean that's that that yeah. and and you're right though sometimes you're you're ju you jump into a danny chapter and really you're you could be going back slightly actually in the sequence of of events you know what i'm saying like you could be going back before another point of view um but this is yeah it's just it's just kind of tricky i yeah. guess yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely. So, um, okay, well, uh, let's dive in here. On the walls of Karth, men beat gongs to herald her coming, while others blew curious horns that encircled their bodies like great bronze snakes. A column of uh, Kimberly emerged from the city as her honor guards. The riders wore uh, scaled copper armor and snouted helms with copper tusks and long black silk plumes and sat high on saddles uh, inlaid with rubies and garnets. Uh, their camels were dressed in blankets of a hundred different hues. Karth is the greatest city that will ever be, Pyat Pri had told her, uh, back amongst the bones of Vase Taloro. It is the center of the world, the gate between north and south, the bridge between east and west, ancient beyond memory of man, and so magnificent that Sathos the Wise put out his eyes after gazing upon Karth for the first time because he knew that all he saw uh, thereafter should uh, you know, look uh, squalid and ugly by comparison. 
Danny took the warlock's words well assaulted, uh, but the magnificent of the great the magnificence of the great city was not to be denied. Three th- thick walls encircled Karth, elaborately carved. The outer was red sandstone, thirty feet high, and decorated with animals, snakes, sl- uh, snakes slithering, kites flying, fish swimming, intermingled with wolves of the red waist and striped uh, zorses and monstrous elephants. The middle wall, 40 feet high, was gray granite, alive with the scenes of war. The clash of sword and shield and spear, arrows in flight, heroes at battle, and babes being butchered, pyres of the dead. The innermost wall was 50 feet of black marble, with carvings that made Danny blush until she told herself that she was being a fool. She was no maid. If she could look on the gray wall's scenes of slaughter, why should she avert her eyes from the sight of men and women giving pleasure to one another? So it is like... It's so extravagant. I mean, it's like I feel I see how some people could find this place to be like, you know, overwhelming. Right. I mean, it's just like it's just like, yeah, the whole city is like just big and grandiose. And I it's one thing I have the city, uh, um, the city in the show. I mean, I don't think they'd really be able to kind of do it justice. So it's one of these things where sometimes, you know, you look at pictures of what the red or the the Iron Throne looks like in the books, right? And it's like enormous. And then you see it in the show and it's kind of small. I still think it's icon- It's obviously iconic and everything in the show, but this is definitely one that the, sh- the show, I don't think did as well as, uh, you know, it, no, as yeah. to being described in the books. Let, let me tell you why. Okay. Because HBO okay. doesn't have, they, they don't have the resources to do Karth the way it ought to be done. All right. I mean, three walls, like they're super high. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it, I mean, it, it's, um, it's a magnificent city. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, Zara, we'll find out later, is has a, a freaking, yeah, well, I mean, has, has a palace. Um, Illyrio's place looks like, uh, y- you know, it, it doesn't even compare. So, yeah, this is, this is an, an extravagant um, city. And they kind of call, I mean, well, we, we talked about this a little bit, uh, but the, it's this in-between. It's sort of... Um, I think one of the reasons why it's untouched and it's unrated by the Dothraki is its location because it, it's, it's also this great trading port, but it's not, uh, well, the walls too. That's another big thing. These three walls that we're talking about make it really hard to kind of, uh, if you wanted to just, you know, um, siege the city, I guess you, I guess you could, but then it's sort of like a desert land outside of it. You know, I mean, they've got plenty of resources on the inside, um, probably some good wells in there as well but yeah it's uh it's it's magnificent and um but i I think it's hard i think it would be hard to take you know danny mentions like like um cal drogo wanting to you know uh attack the eastern cities and this is one of those so yeah you know i'm i'm looking here actually you know because I, I, I fortunately I have a uh, I have a, a digital version here of the um, World of Ice and Fire because I was thinking about this I was like I don't think that Karth you know how in the World of Ice and Fire they break down all the cities so they break down everything in Westeros but then they talk about some stuff in Essos they talk about the free cities and stuff like that and there's not a lot about Karth in mm-hmm. in the World of Ice and Fire as a city to get com- some kind of history on this I'm I'm actually doing a search right now that's really interesting actually. Um, it's just, it's not actually mentioned at all. Just that it, it's a city, but they just say, um, you know, it's like a, it's a mysterious city and there's not much information on it. Huh? 
That's just you have the you, you, yeah. You actually have the I have the, so yeah. You know I we we uh, we have the digital version of the World of Ice and Fire, right? Um, and so I just did, right. I did a, did a search for the word Karth, and it doesn't even come up that often. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So maybe. So, well, I mean, yeah. So maybe they. Maybe they. I don't know. Didn't weren't focusing on it, or they wanted it to be uh, wanted it to be mysterious more of a mystery yeah yeah which i think is i think is fine because it has all of this some these different factions when you look at like the government being you know pureborn versus these merchants you've got different factions in there represented um you've got warlocks i mean you've got shadow binders it's that in between you know you go much further east than this which they which we kind of do uh we will actually but to go far east uh, would would be all the way over to a shy so this is that middle kind of of you know ground here just west of karth is is where you get into that like the dothraki kind of like the grasslands and and where they um the horse lords rule if you will right but, yeah. yeah you know i mean there there's more about a shy than there is about karth isn't that is that <laughs> is that interesting yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. Um, that that's that's surprising, I guess. Yeah, I mean, is it, and that's only in just that. I mean, I think we get. Maybe it's just because again, we we visit. If you're looking at the series, you know, here in Karth, we get a lot about its actual governments and and its people and stuff like that. But we never go to a Shai, so, um, you know, a World of Ice and Fire has to kind of give us more you know give us a little bit more information about that right. all we do we meet a, we meet a shadow binder we we meet people who have gone to a shine who have learned uh from those people but yeah yeah i don't know that's that's interesting yeah so real quick just here because i i am fine i'm finding this interesting because i was literally i was just gonna pull it up i was like you know hey let me just look this up so i could just provide some history on it because just in, in in thinking about it and you know hey man i mean uh yeah that is just not mentioned very much so interesting so okay well anywho so danny is now you know like she's she's being greeted and she's being kind of everyone's kind of she's kind of seeing the city and and all of these things and she's meeting a lot of the players uh here you know with Piat pre and and zara zohan doxis that will be the bigger characters in her arc throughout this book yeah as she's coming in um they're they're treating her really well right um she goes through the gates, which were banded in copper, um, the middle with iron and the innermost studded with gold eyes. Th this city is uh, it's 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 magical in, in, in some way. There's a lot of um, I think there are multiple defenses to this city. We, we don't learn a lot about it. It's very ancient. I think if we talk to the pureborn who know more about its history and things and we can look in, into this later, but it's um. It's, it's just interesting that they have those different metals to kind of, th those are defenses against what, you know? I mean, gosh, we'll learn later on that there there's Weirwood in Karth. It's got everything. It has absolutely everything. It has that weird oily black um, stone that people often talk about dating back to like, you know, um, the, the the ancient empire that maybe stretched all the way across to Essos. Right. And so, remember that that oily black stone is, is what shows up on the the sea stone chair right which is yeah the, yeah and, and and pike and people don't know how it got there and all of that yeah so there is possibly yeah some some other kind of empire that existed you know 
way who knows when yeah yeah and, and another thing that um indicator that this is a great melting pot is all the colors that Danny sees so as she's going in not just those each of those gates was decorated or those walls was decorated differently uh one a little higher than the other uh there's probably some more symbolism there we we could pull out uh, if we spent some more time on it and you looked at the gates those are different and then as you get into the city all these different colors colors that she had not seen she kind of feels like they look like uh riffraff i mean they they compared to everyone there like the there's so much wealth and elegance in in this city just represented in the colors i mean it's hard to kind of get some of those as she says here so um but yeah then uh let's see the carthine lined the streets and watched them from delicate balconies and look that looked too frail to support their weight they were tall pale folk again interesting and uh, the tall pale folk in linen uh, Samite and tiger fur, uh, every one a lord or lady to her eyes. So again, a, just a city of of wealth. Later on, she'll kind of start to think that she reflects that she's a beggar again. Uh, she, in 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 this city, it makes her feel bad. She thinks back to Viserys and how he was called the beggar king, and she start she will start to kind of feel like that in Carth, which I think is interesting. Everyone, even the small folk, if you will, in Carth are dressed um you know better than she is yeah so yeah 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 absolutely and it, it and that is something right i mean that's ultimately what she the, the position she gets put in right uh where she uh in in her time in carth here which is you know like trying to convince these people that well i am i i should hold the seat of power in westeros right and they're like well you know, we we only make good investments, right? And right now, it's mm -hmm. what's to, what's to say that you'll win some war way over there? Because um, Carth is, you know, I mean, it is like it is way far away from Westeros, right? It's not like Bravos or something. I mean, and it's 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 about as far east as you can go compared to 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 Westeros, as as you had said, as where I mean, that's what she's doing here. She is she is kind of begging. Yeah, uh, yeah, she is. And I mean, they were in a desperate situation. And so you had Zaro, uh, Pyat Pri, you had Quaith show up to kind of see who she was, to hear, to, to see these dragons, to see this wonder. There haven't been dragons in such a long time. So the only thing that really gives her any, like, like weight or a bargaining chip or whatever is the fact that she has these dragons. And they do have strict rules and customs. And so she is, It's it seems like it's a civilized uh, city where... You're not going to be able just to kind of take her dragons from her. Uh, Zaro, though, is, is definitely trying to make an alliance with her because he wants, he sees how valuable even just one of those dragons can be. So, yeah, she she's in, um, this is a place where she'll learn a lot. Like a lot of learning happens and there's a lot of visions and magical powers and things like that are, are kind of um, emerging. But at the same time, it's a dangerous place that she should not stay too long. It almost seems like the longer you stay in Karth, uh, the more difficult it is to leave. Yeah. So she's not there for a very long, t a very long time. She'll be there for the next um, two chapters. But uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot going on. So now I just wanted to to reiterate this. So she felt shabby and barbaric as she rode past them in her lion skin robe. Uh, so there, so there again. That's that's kind of how she's feeling, and then. Also, her, well, she's Khaleesi. This is her Kalisar, right? We have 
those who are walking in with her, she wondered if they only saw this city as something to plunder. And she starts to kind of think about how that, like, like that destruction of beauty is just so, it's terrible, right? I mean, it's just it's like, look, look, look at look how pristine this is. Look at the history. It's intact. Um, but then do these Dothraki just see this as something to, to um, plunder. She even wonders how savage we must seem to these, to these Carthine. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, again, it, they spend this chapter itself. First of all, is not actually really that long. Um, like the first like three page, three or four pages is just talking about like kind of the beauty of you know of the of the city, um, and, and then when she really starts to meet these people, and you know, so I'd say outside of Zaro, right, who's kind of introducing himself, and uh, um, you know, he's going to be a big player in her story. The next one really is Piat Pri, right? And yeah. uh, she sees kind of Piat Pri, and then we start to t- talk about just about the warlock, right, and who this is. Um, yeah, you know, he's uh, the only. Let me see. She's saying, you know, we should need you. Uh, why should you need? Let me let me see here. Right. Uh, so Zaro Zaro's is talking. He's saying Karth itself is hers. Right. She has no need of um, babbles. Right. Because Piat Priest kind of talked to her. Blue lipped Piat Priest sang out her, to her from the other side. It shall be as I promised, Khaleesi. Come with me to the house of Undying, and you shall drink the truth. You shall drink of truth and wisdom. Uh, why should uh, she need your palace of dust when I can give her sunlight and sweet water uh, and silks to sleep in, Zaro says to the warlocks. The 13 shall set a crown of black jade and fire opals upon her lovely head. The only palace I desire is the red castle at King's Landing, my lord Pyatt. Danny was wary of the warlock. Um, the, the Magi, Mary uh, Miramazder, had soured her on those who played at sorcery. And if the uh, the great and if the great of Karth would give me gifts, Zara, let them uh, give me ships and swords to win back what is rightfully mine. And so, you know, everybody here uh, has very different objectives uh, in Karth, there right? You go. Yeah, yep. I mean, everybody yep. here has very different objectives. Um, it is very much like the Game of Thrones, except it's it's played just in Karth. Um, you know, Danny's like, I just want ships and and men so I can take back what's mine. Uh, and then, you know, Piat Pri has something else in mind. Uh, we don't get that get to that entirely into this chapter, but we do meet the warlock and we hear about the house of house of the, you know, the undying. Yeah. So this is an interesting dynamic, I think. Um, there there are three people um, who come out to meet Danny. As, as I said, Zaro, Piat Pri, and Quaith. And it is Zaro and, and Piat who are trying to persuade her to take their path to join them. Um, Quaith is the only one who actually just warns her. She says, beware, and gives her warnings and tells her sort of what's up. Gives her information, doesn't ask anything in return. You know what I mean? So you'll find out later and I think it's fine to kind of jump ahead because we'll cover it more in detail when we get to Danny and it's going to be a while until we get to Danny so we'll have to refresh ourselves but uh you know Zara wants something from her uh he, he he's going to want one of her dragons uh Pyatt they want there is some sort of magical ability with these dragons and and the fact that Danny herself is somewhat magical they want her to enter the house of the undying and they want something from her we can talk about what that really is later on 
but uh, Quaith is the only one who seems to not want anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She she seems to just be giving her this guidance. So I think that's interesting. Now, the other thing that's interesting is Zaro is telling us that um, that there's a saying in Karth, a warlock's house is built of bones and lies. It's so weird because on, on one hand, that is, that's true. The, the warlocks are essentially lying to her, but they are also offering truth. Uh, it may also require her to give up you know her bones yeah <laughs> i mean like it's it, you know it's, it's one of those things so there who do you believe that's that's what george is doing to us here like who who is she if you're danny who do you put your faith in where are you supposed to turn so she tries to make this uh to, to gain something from zaro she'll try with Piat, and eventually then we'll think back and we'll we'll reflect on what on what uh, quaith has said for a long time going forward. She'll think about what Quaith says to her. Um, although, I'll say this, what happens in the House of the Undying is mind-blowing. I don't know if it's lies. I don't know if it's truth. And I can't wait to get there. But So that's sort of the setup to all of this, is we've got a lot of these different factions vying for her uh, her company, for her to you know, make an alliance with, with them. And I don't know if it's more just about like increasing their their status in the city of Karth. It seems like that because the 13 are not, you know, they have to go to the, to the governing body called the, the pureborn. The pureborn are in charge. These other factions are just there. And if you want something, you have to kind of go through them. So that to me, it makes me think that both of them are trying to increase their stock, if you will, through her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, as well, let's, uh, so we have, so, so that, so there's really like, so that's kind of going on, right? You know, so then, um, she starts to, she, they, she ends up going right over to, um, uh, where the kind of like where they're going to be staying, right? And they realize, oh my God, this place is enormous, right? Like she was thinking, oh, it's just a wing of a, of a, you know, of a palace, but she's like, it's like the size of a market, right? So, I mean, it's like this huge, huge place where they're going and then this is where she kind of gets the news right like so she's she's getting she gets this news that robert baratheon is dead right and so Mm -hmm. uh you know a lot of a lot of this stuff starts going on and then this is really where i mean it it, it's hard to say right because i think you know when we think of karth i think that we we think of uh, the really the next two chapters right her time in the house of the undying and then um you know what yeah and then uh, you know well, what Quaith says to her, too, I, I guess I should say here. But, you know, there's there's an interesting line um, kind of here as she's kind of reflecting on uh, just Karth and also, you know, the fact that Robert Baratheon, uh, you know, has has been dead. Right. So, um, you know, uh, let me see. I, I have it right here. She's like, you know, the, she's like. She's thinking about it. She says, the bleeding star led me to Karth for a purpose. Here I will find what I need. I have the strength to take what is offered and the wisdom to avoid the traps and snares. If the gods mean for me to conquer, they will provide. They will send me a sign. And if not, um, and then, you know, it goes on into like the next thing. It says, uh, you know, if if it was near even fall and Danny was feeding her dragons when Eerie stepped through the silken curtains to tell her that Sajora had turned from the docks and not alone. But just that line, those lines before that, right? Like, Karth sent me here for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Or the bleeding star. The bleeding star, the comet. Bleeding right? star sent me. Yeah. 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 Right. Is 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 leading uh uh-huh, for sure. 
For sure. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that thought that's in her mind actually will, if you, when you actually read the book, you'll see a lot of stuff in it in that's italicized. And those are those internal thoughts that she's having. It's so weird too, that later on those kind of manifest in the house of the undying, but you're right. Yeah. She's starting to believe this is a sign and a symbol. Again, this is only, as you said, it's only her second chapter. And we were talking for weeks about the comet mm -hmm. and what it symbolizes. What does it actually mean? Everyone has uh, different takes on that, uh, but she believes it's led her here to a for for a reason. Really, I, I, it's it's the, the the dragons are what saves her, right? And this is this is the thing that she's she's gonna she has learned a lot in this whole in this chapter. She starts talking to Jorah about how she's not a little girl anymore. He looks at me like a girl. He doesn't quite look at me as his queen yet, and so she's making it um, more and more. She's reminding Zaro Jorah. Um, Pyatt, I am not this little girl that you think I am. You're, they're not seeing her the way that she wants to be seen. So at first she's kind of, she's growing. She's, she's evolving as a character. Um, but eventually she's gonna, she's gonna get that, gain that status. And it's, it's weird. It's kind of like as her dragons grow and her power and her knowledge and her, her influence will grow. And then people start to say, oh, this, this is, although they're calling her the mother of dragons there's not really yet that respect and they see that she's in a vulnerable place the dragons are vulnerable too and they're trying to take those they will try to take those from her so yeah i get what you're saying it's it's this whole her whole arc is i think if you if you pay attention to what she's thinking um she's looking for these other signs she even says in, in karth she wants another sign she needs another sign to kind of continue to move forward um, characters oftentimes will look outside of themselves for signs and, and see what do I need to do, who's going to tell me what to do, but it's once they start to look inside of themselves that they realize I have everything I need, and then that's when you'll really see a character kind of take off. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's, it's interesting to think about it because when you, her arc, right, and especially her time in Karth here, uh, and and what it is that she she learns here. I mean, one, it's the dragons and kind of this. Okay, the the magic right is 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 what's going to kind of propel her forward. It's also that Robert Brathian's dead, right? And so she gets this kind of, you know, I mean, she. I mean, just think about where she was two chapters ago. Okay, right. So mm -hmm. two Danny yeah. chapters ago, she uh, kills essentially. You know, I mean, he's pretty much already dead, right? But she, you know, says goodbye at least to to Cal Drogo, um, and she herself is going to step on this funeral pyre, right? Uh, I mean, everything mm -hmm. seems lost. Uh, I mean, and then one chapter ago, she's literally wandering around in the desert alone. You basically, you know, she doesn't have Cal Drogo anymore. Um, she could be captured by a new Dothraki group at any moment. Uh, and now here she is and she's like in at least some sort of safety for the time being. And now the threat of Robert Baratheon, who, you know, potentially sent a poisonous, uh, you, you know, someone had tried to have her assassinated is, is gone. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. There is, there's a new energy to her. And so Jorah will tell her this changes nothing, you know, because Joffrey is going to sit the throne. It's still, we still have to keep, keep our course, but she is starting to see maybe, I don't know what, what Jorah doesn't see. I think he's just more, he's a guardian. He wants to take care of her and protect her, but she's seeing a realm 
in chaos potentially. And I don't know that she even knows that necessarily. That's not reported to her, but we kind of know that, I guess. And so maybe that's that's me pushing that in on on Danny, and I shouldn't. But I think she's there's a new excitement to her, uh, wanting to go take advantage of this. He's he's dead, and there's some mention that well, actually the the uh, part that you're referring to is who killed Robert. You know, was it his yeah. wife? Was it his best friend? That's she does see that chaos. She doesn't know the full extent of it, but oh, this is a chance for me to walk back in as the dragon, and. You know, people, I mean, Viserys was telling her for, for years that people are uh, singing in the streets, wanting the Targaryens to to return. Yeah. So, yeah. And let, and let, yeah. yeah. Let me just let me let me just uh, I'll just I'll just talk about that really quick, because I, I do think it's kind of I do think it's kind of interesting just to see a totally outside perspective on on what has happened in the in the Seven Kingdoms. Right. Uh, he's You know, he comes in. He's like a gift of news. I tell you truly, Robert Baratheon is dead. Right. She's like, you're certain the usurper is dead. Um, he sent me poisoned wine. Yeah, I live and he is gone. You know, what's the matter of his death torn by a monstrous boar whilst hunting in the Kingswood or so I heard in old town. Um, others say his queen betrayed him or his brother or Lord Stark, who was his hand. Yet all the tales agree. King Robert is dead in his grave. Um, you know, then she says, yeah, you know, who, you know, the boy sits the Iron Throne now, Sir Jorah says, King Joffrey reigns, uh, Cora Moe agrees, but the Lannisters rule, Robert's brothers have fled King's Landing, and the talk is they mean to claim the th- the crown, and the hand has fallen, Lord Stark, who was Robert's, King Robert's friend, has been seized for treason, yeah, you know, she said, uh, <laughs> Jorah, Sir Ned Stark, a traitor, not bloody likely, right? He says, you know, the long summer will come again before that one would besmirch his precious honor, which, by the way, is a huge, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just Ned Stark. Another, there's another person on the total opposite side of the world uh, mm-hmm. and saying Ned Stark is the most honorable man ever. So, you know, for all those Ned Stark theories, here's just a, some more proof to that line. Um, he says, you know, what honor could he have? Danny says he was a traitor to his to his true king, as were the Lannisters. Uh, it pleased her to hear that the Usurper's dogs were fighting amongst themselves, though she was unsurprised. The same had happened when her Drogo had died and his great Kalisar tore itself to pieces. My brother is dead as well. Viserys, who was the true king, she told the Summer Islander, uh, you know, and so it's just it. it way over here just hearing what is going on over in Westeros right and like it is kind of what's what's going on I mean uh and just how that information is is passed on and just with the way the the way the story is told like how the rest of the world is hearing what's going on in Westeros yeah yes for sure yeah I know it's 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 fascinating to kind of think about like just how diverse how different they are and um yeah, so it's, you got to follow the cinnamon wind too. I mean, it it, it will um, it goes everywhere. <laughs> it goes everywhere. It, yeah, and and she says at one point like, you know, when will you be able to get word back to them or or whatever? And he's going on the trading route, so it's going to be like a year before he can even get back there. But uh, that's interesting. So, so yeah, she's she is ready ready to go. Um, there's a few things. Let me know when when you want me to do this because I've got some cool connections no, in this go, chapter. No, you, you can you there, can go right ahead. Yeah, because because the most I mean that's pretty much mostly the chapter. It's a, right. it's actually a pretty short chapter. Right. She gets that information and essentially she's being told to kind of um, be careful. Jorah's like, no, this changes nothing. She says this changes everything. You know, and and so there's that. But let me just let's just do a a big kind of takeaway from this yeah. chapter. A couple things. 
So number one, if you go and you search the word poison on a search of ice and fire for Clash of Kings, and you look at the chapters that it, that it, you poisoning is a big deal in this book. This as like a, it happens. There, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot. We were talking just, it was a Tyrion chapter. The word poison was used. And it was really just a, uh, something that caused Cersei to, you know, not be able to, to attend right. the it's king's like council. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So the Dothraki, the Dothraki talk about the poison, poison water, the poison sea, not wanting to cross it. Um, later on, Zaro uh, will give her, well, Mel Melisandre earlier on in this book, uh, you know, was able, able to overcome a, a poison, right? Uh, was able to drink her, her glass. Well, I think it was Maester, was it, was it Coleman or, uh, I forget the Maester's name, but uh, that who ended up dying because uh, he was trying to poison Melisandre. So that's interesting. That's a whole rabbit hole that maybe we'll go down in the extended edition because I, it just keeps popping up, man. It's just popping up everywhere. Um, Zara will give her something later on that she can wear around her neck that will, that will kind of help her in case someone tries to poison her, which he tells her they will. Um, one of the things, let me go back here. Yeah. That they talk about Pyat Pri's poison, his poisonous words and, and the poison in drinking the, um, uh, what is it called? The nightshade, the, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Where their, their lips turn blue. Yeah. So, so I'm just like seeing this over and over as I go through, I got my highlighter and I'm just highlighting in this chapter and I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> so it's funny. This is why you do a reread. It's very interesting. Now, Something else here. I want to mention this before I forget. So Danny often is reflecting in this chapter about King's Landing. Okay, uh, she's thinking, and I'm I'm going to put my my season eight lens on here for a second. So she's thinking about season eight, or I'm sorry, she's season. I'm thinking about season eight. She's thinking about King's Landing, um, but she she keeps thinking about like the types of people that she wants there. Okay. Um, she says at one point in this chapter that she wants to f um, to fill it with the, the same type of people here in Carth. Fat people, <laughs> happy people with you know, these, these lavish clothes. Um, she says that she has no wish to reduce King's Landing to a blackened ruin full of unquiet ghosts. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's pretty half that. Let, me read, let me read that again. Danny had no wish to reduce King's Landing to a blackened ruin full of unquiet ghosts. So, but she, and that's just one reference to her. She, she dwells on King's Landing so much. Um, she'll, th later on when she goes in, well, maybe it's this chapter, when she goes to, to Zaro's uh, palace. Yeah, and she gets in the pool with the fish who are nibbling at her skin, right? She hopes that, uh, that the Red Keep will have a similar pool. Um, so many different there's so many different little nods that as you go through it you're sort of like wow uh she thinks about king's landing a lot she thinks about the people that she's around now and how she would like them to be there and she thinks about the things that she wants in that city and then she's also thinking that she doesn't want to burn it down later on i think it's in the next danny chapter she thinks about um how she doesn't want to go mad and that her brother seemingly went mad and that because he was a beggar and was begging that that's what drove him to that place and she does she wants she does not want to go the route that he went she will not be a beggar queen and that's sort of what is going to propel her to leave Karth and say no 
I have dragons, I have, you know, except she gets the knowledge she needs, the truth, and then she moves on. But let's go back to one of those people who, who, who talks truth to her, and that is Quaith. So, um, I, anytime, I, it's, it's almost as bad as, like, back to Lady Stoneheart, it's like back to Quaith with me. So, I just, like, right. I, I love to go back there and look at this. And, and remind folks that, again, she wears that, that lacquered kind of red mask. Um, she has those watery eyes. Uh, and that she was the last of the three Seekers to depart uh, from Danny in Quaith. And she is a shadow binder. It actually says she is a shadow binder. And Danny ponders over what she is saying. Um, and this is, again, just more of her development. She goes, I don't understand. Pyatt and Zaro, they showered me with these gifts and these promises, you know, um, just upon this first glimpse of dragons. They had declared themselves like her loyal servants in all things. But from Quaith, she had gotten only rare cryptic words, and it disturbed her that she had never seen the woman's face. And then, remember Mira Mazdor, she told herself, remember treachery. So now, now you go look up the word treachery, and you start, I mean, we were talking about bells at the beginning of this, and you start to look at these reoccurring thoughts and themes and things that she's thinking about. She thinks about the bells in the hair of her, um, of Khal Drogo. Uh, she thinks about her brother, Viserys, and what happened to him. She thinks about treachery. Go look at this up. She thinks about treachery quite a bit. And actually, um, she she al she's already thinking about that here, and Quaith does nothing but to kind of uh, pull some fuel on that fire. She starts to think about She is on guard going forward. She's on guard because of Mir Mazdor, but Quaith, who I think is actually giving her good counsel, she is now questioning and she'll grow to kind of maybe trust what her, she's saying a little bit more, but yet it causes her to be more paranoid. So anyways, I just find it all interesting. I'm not trying to make an actual like uh, statement here that Danny is going to go mad or go crazy. I'm just pointing out things that now I'm, I'm catching and I'm seeing them more than once. I'm not just seeing them one time. And I did promise folks this. I promised you the Hodor tie-in at the beginning of the reread. I'm going to do it now. Um, uh, we just did, it was an extended edition, wasn't it, Sir Matt, where we were talking about Hodor? Absolutely it was. You remember this? Yeah. Yep. So um, we were talking about what he's going through and, and like how, really what we're doing is we're trying to say, what evidence was there that Hodor meant hold the door? Yeah. You know, like how did you get to that? And... When you go look up, if you do a search of Ice and Fire and you look up like holding the door or hold the door and you look at that in relation to Hodor, there is literally, I think, only like one or two references to it. And it's so subtle that it's it's just, um, it, it's it's wild. Um, uh, let's see, there was one where he is, um, yeah, where Hodor had grabbed hold of a, a door and he pulled it and he was grunting with the effort of, of pulling this big, heavy door. Nothing happened. He tried to push. No, no, no more success. There's two instances where Hodor is pushing um, or pulling on a door. OK, so there's there's two of those. That's it. And then there's one more um, time where Hodor is. Remember this? He was he's in a dream and Hodor uh, Bran is listening to Hodor who is dreaming and he said it was the first time Bran has ever heard him say something that was Other not Hodor yeah. but yeah. it sounded like Hodor and I was like oh my gosh I think it's in a storm of swords and so you're telling me that this guy has been saying Hodor for 
two to three, you know, two books. And, and then, well, yeah. Uh, and then, and then in the third book, we're going to hear this where we get one indicator that he is saying something other, other than Hodor in his sleep. Now that is so subtle. That is such a subtle, subtle, subtle reference to something that is super epic. That's going to happen later on that. I, I, it has now challenged me to say, what are those things that are literally so subtle that you would say, Sir Ezra, you're you're crazy. You're being uh, paranoid. You're you're overly watchful. Um, it, <laughs> like you can't just pull out one line and say, oh yeah, that's going to confirm what we see in season eight. No, I don't can't. know, man. Yeah, I can't. don't know. I'm starting to say like there are certain things that they said. This is the outcome that we're going to get. We're going to talk about our polls here in a second as we get into some of our uh, air quote our ravens. We've been doing polls for that as we collect more. Uh, for our Ravens Nest or for our follow-up Friday session. But, um, yeah, as I, as I look at these things and I see her saying things, I see Danny saying things like, you know, that she, that she did not want, she did not want to reduce King's Landing to a blackened ruin full of unquiet ghosts. Why does she think that? Well, like, and then, so that's intentional. You, you put that in there for a reason. Why? Because the Dothraki do that. That is something that they do. That is at her core. You know, they do go to these cities. They plunder and and they they will ruin these cities and then they make their own. Vase Dothrak. They bring it back to their own place and they create their own home. And she is strongly tied to the Dothraki. Like she loves them in in, in an odd way. She almost forgets that she was sold to them. You know, by Illyrio. She says that to Jorah later on. And it's like. Man, I can now you start you have to really understand Danny and and these these complexities because it is a part of who she is and it's going to um influence her decisions as she moves into these big cities and plans her invasion of Westeros. So, that's all I want to say on that I guess for now. Um I brought up the Hodor thing just to show you that there is literally there's only a few. There's only a few references to it or a few nods to Hodor meaning well, the hold thing? the what door. What was the thing we said? It's like it's like a Hodor is what he says, right? And so like that's it's what, what he says. It's not his name. It's not right. that, and that's been in front it's of us in a Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, that's been in front of us from the beginning. I don't. I when I first read it, didn't quite. He just says, okay, he's uh, clearly like you know maybe he had some traumatic injury or he was born this way or whatever. But like as far as everyone knew and as, as far back as they could remember, um, he has always said Hodor. We never thought about. Why does he say, you know, Hodor? And that's what we should have been thinking about. Why does he say it? And it's just, that's not his name. <laughs> but yet we now, then then once our characters start calling him Hodor, well, then we forget that Hodor has significance. You know, it's that kind of complexity. And it's that type of thinking that George is doing. That's why I've always said, let him finish these books. Let him be the master writer that he is. Um the the little nods to Werewood being in Karth is amazing to me later on. I when I when I saw that I was just sort of like, wow. Um well, the know, connection I, to the house know, of God now Black I want to go back too. Now I want to go back and I want to look and see in Brand chapter three, does he possibly see Karth? Right? Where oh yeah, he, we, we we gotta yeah, we're gonna have to kind of look and yeah, there's there's Because to see to see now it's like, well hold on a second. Yeah, if there's Weirwood and all these other places, is that why he possibly sees it? Uh-huh. It, it, yeah, I, I don't know that he does or not. I'd have to, I would, I'd have to go back and study that chapter. 
Well, and um, and then and that, yeah, you yeah that yeah. specific yeah because that specific chapter that Bran says you know all kinds of crazy things where he sees all these different things all over the world. Yeah, and and then we need to uh, we got to broaden our lens too because it's not even just like there's the Weirwood network, but then you look at what Pyatt and these guys will do, and you look at what Quaith and other people were able to do with you know bringing like well with um, glass candles and stuff, and you look at the House of the Undying, the visions that they have there. And you look at brands, the opening of a third eye versus being connected to the Weirwood network. Like, what's the difference? What, what, like, why, how are they, how are they the same and how are they different? Um, is fascinating. And we don't have all the answers yet on it. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, I don't know. Just cool connection stuff that I got my, you know, I'm going to have to take a picture of my book here because you would not believe the highlighting job that I've done on this chapter. It's insane. Oh, hey, man, that's great. That's great. Good. Yeah, yeah. well, now we'll, now we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to dive into it. So, all right, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's most that's mostly this chapter, uh, just in terms of the summary and everything that kind of happens, right? Um, <clears throat> so, um, as, as we want to dive into the polls here, here we have. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I, so like I said, we're going to do, um, I've been running some polls on Twitter. Um, they are challenging polls. Essentially, I'm challenging people saying, like, look, this is what we saw in season eight. Do we think that's going to happen in Winds of Winter or a a Dream of Spring? Do we actually think that's going to happen, yes or no? And it's been interesting because the first question I asked was, will Daenerys Targaryen burn down King's Landing in Winds of Winter? And the final tally on that, the answer is no. 53% said no, she will not do that. Um, And then 46% said yes, that she will. So, yeah, that's fascinating, right? Okay, now this one. Uh, I ask here back on June 7th, will Bran sit the Iron Throne in the books? The, and I said specifically the Iron Throne. Um, 55% say no. <laughs> um, you know, uh, 44% say yes. So to me, that's interesting. Sir Matt, that's interesting that that, um, that and I, that, again, that, yeah, that people yeah. that people think it's going to be different because I do. Yeah, too. they think it's going to be different. I do yeah. Too, yeah. Right. And so, it, again, it's like maybe maybe he's going to be king. But maybe he's going to be the Night King, you know. Maybe he's going to be king, but he's going to be the King of Winter, you know, um, from Winterfell. Maybe he won't sit on the Iron Throne. Maybe there will be a ruler, um, you know. That whole Sansa bit. I hate to say this, but I mean, I hope that's true in the books. That would be so epic. I would love to have a queen, you know, a queen of the North. I, I think that would be awesome. Do I think George is going to do that though? No, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like you. It's, it would be kind of po- you, you we're thinking Danny is going to be the queen who sits on the Iron Throne. We're going to get this we're going to get this awesome epic queen that we can get behind and it's actually Sansa who ends up being queen. You know, like like that's the be, kind of stuff would, he No, it would it would be great. I would be I would be that, all for right. it. That that's what he does. That's what he does. I I think people were sort of like wait, the Starks rule in King's Landing and they rule in the North? Is that likely to happen? I don't know. Um, and so that's why I, I put that poll up there because I get that he is this boy who is going to be king. That is, pr- I guarantee you, in some way he's going to be a ruler or a king. That seems like what maybe George had told them. That would be such a crazy change Brand, if that was hey man, not Ga- you know, a Game of Thrones first chapter. Bran, right? I think I mm-hmm. think that's he saw. He talks about Bran's the hardest character to write. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm. That's just yeah, yeah. That's I, I'm not, see, yeah, again, I'm not opposed to Bran becoming king of the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that I think that's that's totally fine because 
He's the he's who the first chapter is about. I mean, that's the first the first character that he thought about. If you go watch interviews where Gurr talks about writing the series, he says he's what a boy watching his father execute a man is is was the was the first idea he ever had for a Game of Thrones for the whole thing. A Song of Ice and Fire. That's how it started. Was that was the was that opening chapter? So yeah, Bran, Bran was the first character he created, right? So right. I'm I'm fine with Bran becoming king. It's just I, I again I think it'll be more detailed. It'll be different. It'll be better in the books because it'll be more there'll be more surrounding it, right? Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I know, I know, man. So that's where I was I was going. Like, uh, yeah, he's a significant character. It for me would be hard to see Dan and Dave. Now, for some people, they're saying absolutely they would change it. George told him that you know. Uh, Bran was going to do this and they said nah screw that I mean some people think that of those guys I just think it's very hard for those those core POV characters to now again sequence of events or being king in a different spot or in a different way I can see those things happening but I think if you say Bran's king but again if that's all you were told king of what king of where you know when when does it happen it just depends on how much you were given uh, how much information you, you you were given. I think Lady Raj at one point talked about wanting to get uh, a copy of that outline or that doc yeah. that was given. I, I would that was love given to see to that. Guys. Yeah, it'd be amazing. I, it would just be like, here are the well, major you know, points. And, and, you know, so here's something. I was thinking about that the other day, right? Like, well, you know, I mean, and I don't know, I don't know if I said this or not, right? But okay, so in A World of Ice and Fire, uh, Gurr wasn't willing to tell the people who are writing this big book Right, the end of Duncan Egg because I'm not ready for that yet. Right, yeah. And literally, yes. he's like, he, they're like, okay, well, like ink, like literally, it says ink fell on the paper and blotted it out. And they actually wanted to do like an ink blot on the thing, but then they were like, oh, we can't do that because people th- might think it's actually a mistake or something, or whatever. Right. Anyway, so it's like, hey, we're like, we're writing this like history, like this history book, and it's like going to be this big, gorgeous book. It's going to be like you know all these amazing pictures, and it's all of this stuff, and like he's not even willing to give them some sort of vague answer. Right. Yeah. I mean, like he get well, yeah. he does. He gives a cryptic answer. Uh, right. I mean, but he doesn't he certainly doesn't give a vague answer. So if he's not willing to tell those guys who are writing this like book that's going to like help promote your series and all of this stuff, like what do you think? I mean, how do we know that he I'm with you? I don't think he told them verbatim. I mean, one, it's like a meeting. You know, how can you tell him everything before you're close to finishing? And then two, I think he was probably pretty vague. Well, and also, he, he it is completely fine for him to be a little bit selfish and say, you know what, I want I, I've given away some really awesome reveals to the TV show. I also I'm not going to give away every magical moment in my book series. I'm not. That's something that's personal to him. He's an author. He's well, he's the re- that that's hard, well, man. And, I don't, I, well, why, well, and, well and keep this in mind too, right? Like he still probably thought, well, I'll finish before and then we can and then they can just go off of that so i think there's yeah, th- yeah. i mean there's there's probably that too there he actually thought he would finish even when they had that meeting right i mean he still probably sure. thought he would he would get he would get it done they'd be able to adapt you know some of that material and stuff yeah 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 for sure so i don't know uh if you're not yeah if you're not following the twitter uh at btk cast uh you need to be uh, if, if you have a Twitter, uh, you don't need to be, but bend the knee. Um, and yeah, we got some great polls going on over there. And we're sharing YouTube clips and what have you. So 
yeah, we'll kind of keep that rolling because um, I'm interested to see what people think. And it's going to help kind of guide us in some of our winds of winter predictions and theories on YouTube. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, hey, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 28, Bran 4 of A Clash of Kings. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week. And remember that winter is coming. <laughs>